Mighty Paul. Well, there's a lot to unpack in this show. Games against Palace, Southampton, Worldies Only, and uh, are you looking forward to United's 3-0 win at Parc de France? Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I think we said before the show we're probably not going to do like a massive preview of the PSG game because we're recording this on Monday night, so who knows uh, when it's going to be out in relation to that game. And also, we're 2-0 down and they've got Kylian Mbappe, so not super pumped about this one. Yeah, but look, we've got uh, Andres Pereira. And his uh, 40-yard worldies, something <laughs> I, like that. I think my preview of the PSG game is we've got, we're have got we 2-0 down and they've got Gillian Mbappe. I think that might be it. Yeah. You never know. I mean, we will look back on that game of United win 3-0 and, and say, look at that. We were, like, being all negative about it. Anyway, let's let's go back to United versus Palace because yeah. no, no, nothing to be negative about in that one. That was kind of fun, wasn't it? No, 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 Ed. Um, Ollie should should not take the Man United job because the underlying data suggests <laughs> that we're not actually any good. Uh, honestly, the single worst take. Thank you to friend of the show Darren Richmond for pointing me in that direction and um, and showing this. There was this tweet from some stats account that I kind of like generally. That was like, um, oh. Uh, United are consistently winning when they're actually underperformed, like being outperformed by the other team. Solskjaer shouldn't take this job, which is the worst. Yeah. I mean, we're so we're tied two things together. It, it wasn't even a kind of narrative tweet that said something along the lines of United are being outperformed by the opposition, and we expect expect that the results will turn against them. It was it was put in that kind of nerdy statsy type uh, way, which you know it can tend to be the way that cold statistical type tweets are put and it's the worst kind of tweet. So and then and then tied it to and Solskjaer I shouldn't take the job because you know, what it'd save his reputation if he didn't. Yeah, for yeah. what? <laughs> like was he what is he then in the theory of this tweet, what is he then going to use his reputation for? Because I, yeah, right now I he's gonna get the Man United job, which is literally the thing that would be better to him than anything else on earth. So turn down your dream job because you know, regression to the mean. And also like the as well as being terrible in all sorts of ways, I'm I haven't looked at every bit of data, but United have consistent like I looked at um the uh, what our performance against XG has been since Solskjaer came in and we are slightly outperforming the number of goals you'd expect, but not in a meaningful way. And we're fairly significantly outperforming the number of goals you would expect to concede from the number of chances we created. Uh, we we've conceded because David De Gea is our goalkeeper and United are just always going to um, concede fewer goals than the big chances created against us would suggest we will. Yeah, very true. And, and that was true last season as well, actually, at least at least in terms of conceding goals. Anyway, should we, should we actually talk about this game? Yeah, um than... I I have seen the goals from this game. That's why I was uh, that's why I was dis- distracted trying to distract the listeners from the fact that I was unable to watch this game. I, I was unsuccessful in finding a stream at like eight o'clock on Wednesday night or whenever it was that this game was played. Oh, dear. Well, I I mean, how how can one be unsuccessful at finding a stream in the modern day? Cle- yeah. Clearly, uh, your sources have failed you, Paul. You were away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've pointed you in the uh, direction of some very good sources. Yeah, since, uh, thank you. Yeah, anyway, um, my advice to you is uh, get a Discord server. 
application. Yeah. We'll, we'll go on to that. Um, Romelu Lukaku is back. And uh, it started with two goals against Crystal Palace. And uh, very, very fine goals they were. I mean, it has to be said, he missed an absolute sitter. Maybe not an absolute sitter, but... A, I mean, he the ball he was unmarked at about the penalty spot, maybe in a bit nearer to goal than that. And Even nearer, yeah. He, yeah, and he flashed a volley wildly over the bar. Like, it went basically went vertically, that shot, didn't it? 0.49 on the XG, that one. <laughs> it feels like it should have been even more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kylian and Mbappe, who you mentioned a couple of times, scored a 0.97 XG goal for Paris Saint-Germain at the weekend. It was basically on the goal line. <laughs> that's, a uh, lot, that's a lot of XGs. Um, it, it is, yeah. I mean, Lukaku should have scored this one, clearly. But uh, I think I think after the goals he scored against Palace and the uh, the two he scored against Southampton, we, we can safely say he's, he's back in a bit of groove, though, can't we? Oh, um, yeah. Although he's, he missed a couple of very good ones against Southampton as well in the first half. I mean... A couple of very good opportunities. It's fascinating. The, the one thing that I really wanted to say about Lukaku, which I felt a real conscience about and a, a real sort of um, negligence, really, uh, was when he scored the first goal against uh, Palace and you could see the massive relief. And it was quite a quiet celebration. And it was a mournful celebration. You know, he, he pointed to the sky. He did that thumb-sucking celebration that he's been doing recently whilst pointing to the sky. He had compassionate leave over Christmas. Um, his father died, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm almost certain that's what happened. And I've not even thought about that once until that goal celebration. And I think, oh, here I've been like critical of this person's form and thinking, oh dear, they're not doing a particularly good job of being a professional footballer. And I suddenly realised, like, I've no idea what's going on in his personal life. It might have been extremely hard to bear. And, you know, so anyway, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, but, you know, he still missed some scissors, didn't he? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, look, I understand that um, personal um, personal stuff does affect uh, players' performance. Uh, I don't know how much that really affected his performance. I think... Uh, the bigger impact on his performance was one, Jose Mourinho, and two, not really fitting into an Oli system. Although, you know, and we've talked about that second one a fair bit, haven't we? Maybe that's not true. Maybe he can fit into an Oli system. I mean, it definitely changes the dynamic up front. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. United haven't played on the break quite so much in these two games that he's scored. Uh, four goals in in the last uh, week or so, and whether he would play, were it not for injuries and the very many injuries in some of the big games coming up, you know, away at Paris Saint Germain and away at Arsenal, you imagine Oli might want to play on the break, and he might not be able to do that in quite the same way as he has done in earlier games this season. If Romelu's up there, no, but he can do it if Lukaku plays on the wide right. Which I guess is what if he plays against us. If our, if Martial's fit as we think he might be, and Rashford is fit and Lukaku's fit, I think a front three of of the three of them with with Lukaku on the right and Rashford through the middle is is probably what we'll see against Arsenal away. Yeah, it might have to be. I mean, obviously he played a front two in a diamond, didn't he before? Uh, basically, and and I don't know. We've got the personnel. <laughs> we got enough fifth fit players to actually do that. I mean, McTominay's done pretty well in the last few games. 
uh, Andres Pereira came into the team against uh, Southampton. Didn't look great until he, came, he scored there. He came into the team against Liverpool and then played against Palace and Southampton. Right. Yeah, yeah he didn't start against Palace, though. Did he not? Did, I don't think he did. Oh, no, Fred started, didn't he? Yeah. And the lesser spotted Fred. I know. I know. Um, so, um, so what do I need to know about that game against Palace? Apart from, I mean, we talk about the Lukaku goals. The the um, the first one was um, lovely, taking the ball out of his feet and kind of passing it around the keeper, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the second one was that really super strikery finish from very kind of narrow range, uh, narrow angle, like close range. Uh, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, um, and then Ashley Young. Uh, once we'd gone to three at the back at the end, I believe uh, Ashley Young playing as wing back got forward and got a goal. But um, what what else do I need to know about that game? You need to know it was a, it was a good performance from United, I think, and um, it, no, a very cohesive performance in a team uh, and a shape that hasn't always been one that we've had um, recently. So you know, four three three, Alexis down the left. Um, Romelu through the middle, Diogo Dalot sort of playing right wing, which you know, we've seen a couple of times now. Um, and uh, but but for all those changes and unfamiliar sort of um, uh, players and system, I'd say because he's played sort of four diamond midfield more often recently, um, it was actually pretty fluid as a team performance. I thought. Yeah, yeah. And um, Fred was okay. Not better than that, I would say. You know, still looked a bit uh, sloppy with his passing. Still unsure exactly what Fred is going to bring to the team. He's neither an attacking midfield or a defensive one. So um, he's he's not that progressive with his passing. He's he's got plenty of energy and gets around the pitch, but he's not a defensive player either. Um, You've got McTominay uh, at the base of midfield. I, I thought he was pretty decent against Palace. He gets the usual criticism in social media. I think we've talked about it before. He doesn't do very many flashy things. That's a problem for him in terms of criticism from the terraces. I'm sure it's not a problem in terms of criticism from um, from the manager, although I bet that uh, Ollie would like him to be more progressive with his passing. Anyway, Pogba, who I actually think has been reasonably quiet in recent games, and I, I don't know whether just the change in midfield has disrupted his rhythm a bit and he's taken a little bit more responsibility um, rather than being the sort of obvious sort of point of the attack. Um, but I didn't think he was awesome in either the Palace victory or the Southampton game. He wasn't bad either. No, we didn't talk much about him after Liverpool, but he put in a heck of a shift defensively against Liverpool, didn't he? And he's sort of shown his kind of versatility in having to adapt to help the midfield, the kind of inexperienced midfield he's been playing alongside, I guess. So he's not been yeah. quite as free, maybe. No, I, th- I think that's right. Um, and then just a bit of a shift late in the game with substitutions. Eric Bailly came on and, and uh, basically played it right back. Um, Smalling and Lindelof seem to be the the partnership of choice at the moment. Um, and uh, Young Yi sort of went out to the wide right. Um, I mean, I guess Shaw was pushing so far forward, you could call it a back three. Um, and uh, Young scored, which is good for him. Everybody got a few minutes, which is good for him. Uh, and then we had, you know, one of the highlights of the night, um, James Garner, 17 years old, came on and played in midfield and, and looked OK for, like, the last five minutes of the game. Am I right in thinking that it was actually his assist for Ashley Young? 
I, I, I saw something. I think it was Juan Mata said something about that in his blog. Um, I don't remember. Okay. It, it, I mean, it wasn't an assist that was that kind of created the goal. I don't think, as far as I understand, but no. Um, but yeah, I mean, fantastic to see Lukaku getting back on the score sheet, and then. Uh, it was either him or or Ollie that talked about the need to then do it at Old Trafford, um, and I was super impressed with United in the game against Southampton. So, super impressed. I was first of all, I was super impressed by the result against Palace because with all those injuries, and that it's worth saying, like that is literally a record-breaking win because in the not the Premier League era, but the history of the club. They've never won eight games away from home in a row before in all competitions. That's right. And that's yeah, a staggering I mean, that, achievement. And that's pretty defining, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know, the what what we've had, we've had a draw at home to Burnley and a defeat at home to Paris Saint Germain have uh, have stopped it being a clean sweep of wins under Ollie. Yeah. Um but eight eight in a row away from home is a stunning performance. Draw against Liverpool as well. Uh, no draw that even though it felt like a win, it w- of course wasn't. But yeah, I mean, it's just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. And whatever happens next, he's he's in the record books for uh, a period of time at least, and uh, potentially uh, potentially another hundred years or something, based on how long this record has stood um, so far. And and you know, th- th- of course, you have to have a bit of good fortune to get a record like if you if you're going to extend a record breaking run at a club where you know um, they've they've been the absolute dominant team in the country. Uh, for extended stretches of time and you're still putting together a better winning run than them, you're going to have to have had a bit of fortune break your way at that time. But it is, I mean, we've talked about this before. You look at the league table, you look at all the kind of comparison league tables from when Mourinho left to now. Solskjaer's done an absolutely unbelievable job dealing with absolutely everything that's been thrown at him impeccably and that extended to a very different kind of win at Southampton where yeah against Southampton. Home Southampton. Yeah. yeah 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 different kind of win going behind to a Southampton team that you know is is fighting off relegation but actually that that didn't really tell the the whole story of the game did it because um, here, you know, United had, had created two really good chances, but yeah. I think both for Romelu Lukaku before Southampton scored. Um, so it wasn't really with the flow of the game. No. But still a shocker nonetheless. Absolutely. And I mean, it was, uh, you know, just a, a player left in too much space, hitting an absolute worldie. And I've watched this a number of times. I feel like there must be some reason that I don't understand that David De Gea didn't save it, but... It, it looked to me like he just was half setting himself ready for what was to come. And then as he was doing that, he realised there was a shot about to fly past him, basically. Mm. I mean, the players hit it so, so cleanly, obviously, and, and got a tremendous amount of power. Uh, you, I guess we would expect a... You know, the, these are the standards he's created, right? So um, we would perhaps expect David Hayer, given that he got some hand on it, to save something like that, being on the right side for him to save it. But I've seen I've seen a lot of criticism of him. I, you know, I, I'm, I would guess that uh, that shot would beat most keepers in the Premier League most of the time. Uh, it's, 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 if you want to talk about the XG, it's like a 0.03 XG goal. 
Well, I, I was going to try and avoid talking about XG for a bit since we went super XG heavy at the start of the show. But it is worth saying that the total of the five goals scored in that game added up to an expected goal of one quarter of a goal, <laughs> which is very pleasing, pleasing statistical quirk. You said earlier, worldies only. I mean, this was this was absolutely the case, wasn't it? Um, yeah. The 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 thing about that first goal is like, I do think the only reason to hear didn't save it was because his feet weren't set when the shot was hit. And the reason his feet weren't set when the shot was hit was because literally no one in the stadium thought that a shot like that was about to fly off that player's boot. No, that's basically coming in from the, the corner of the box. It was just outside the box, wasn't it? Well, long, no, nah, it was like, I don't know how many yards outside the box, but I, it's got to be at least five yards or more outside the box. It's <sighs> good, good long way. Um, and then United's equaliser... Um, just an absolute uh, another stunner, but this time from Andres Pereira. Oh. I didn't, I didn't think he'd actually had an awesome first half. No, to I be think honest. I think he was pretty poor in the first half. Yeah, maybe. he's just struggling. He's obviously technically very, very strong. He can pass, um, and he can move, and he can obviously hit a very clean ball. He's he's got a free kick before for United, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and and so he knows we've got he's got the technical attributes. I I think he does it struggle to impose himself on games um when he's uh you know when he's given the chance and he didn't have an awesome season away uh, on loan in Spain last season and right. you know and maybe this is a maturity thing because he's not played an awful lot of first team football anywhere has he um although he's now in his sort of early 20s so it's it's you know, he's he's clearly got to develop but he just you know he's not imposing himself on games when we really need him to just be a little bit more mature at this time and maybe that's an unrealistic expectation um but here he's picked the ball up yeah, and just left of center cut back in on his on his onto his right foot and just hit an absolute beauty and, and this is not a not a position where you'd expect United to score a goal from. It's uh, it, it's come from you know sort of long ball down the right and uh, it worked its way up to Andreas and and he's just you know hit it so cleanly into the top corner. Uh, and you can see like everyone loved it. The subs you know, poured onto the pitch and and uh, all his teammates like jumped on him as well. You know, great moment. Yeah, it's like one of the most ballistic Solskjaer's gone for a goal as well so far. Um, that was just that was just magic. Just I don't really know what to say about it other than it was a a genuine moment of magic, and uh, it slightly reminded me of Danny Welbeck's goal against um, Stoke on his debut. Um, but yeah, just just mesmeric right in the top corner, beautifully, beautifully hit. Keeper had no chance at a time. We really, really needed that goal as well because even um, in the second half, after in the first half, sorry, after Southampton had scored, we we definitely had chances. Um, was that was it in the first half where Pogba slid the ball through to Sanchez with an absolute worldy of a through ball, and Sanchez was kind of like slightly tugged and yeah. um, and, and on his go, heels as well. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't go down. Um, and uh, Pogba was like, "Go down!" <laughs> Just like, "Come on, we're doing. You've got to pretend. Yeah. You've got to pretend to play the game." And and United's uh, second goal to go two one up. Um, Andreas can get uh, an assist for this one. Yeah, for and sure. It's, uh, yeah, Pogba out to the left, and and nice first time ball from Shaw, who's uh, uh, to, from from Shaw to Andreas, and then it's worked its way into Lukaku, who's just 
you know, beauty. I mean, it's it's not the same sort of miles out, no XG type <laughs> shot. But uh, he's finished superbly well for a, a player who's been lacking in confidence recently. You know, yeah, cut, cut away off his left onto his right and and passed it into the far corner. And he went absolutely lost the run of himself, didn't he? Took his shirt off in definitely one hundred percent a premeditated. What kind of idiot thinks I'm fat? move Um, (laughs) just to show off his uh, absolutely ripped body yeah Yeah, i mean i don't know how anyone has been calling lukaku i mean you you have to be genuinely stupid if you thought lukaku was carrying fat on his body like it's been so obvious that he's just been carrying too much muscle and that's what's bulked him up um and it's not he he has never at no point has he got fat no, Solskjaer talked about him being muscly. There wasn't any analysis of why he's been carrying so much muscle, but they did say that it was easier to lose than fat, and and which is true, right? So he just needs to do more cardio work, and he can lose some of that bulk, and it will help him be a little more zippy. Because you know, he's even if he lost a bit of muscle, he's not gonna. It's not a boxer, right? No, he's not gonna be outmuscled by too many players in the Premier League. No. Um, he's a well-built man. Yeah. Um, I, I did think it's kind of funny. Someone said it on Twitter. And Maybe it might have been uh, bearded genius Noz um, uh, in the picture uh, where he's running towards the corner and the, the camera shot. McTominay's right behind him. He looks like he's about to take his shirt off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the in any way you can think of the complete opposite. You know, this skinny <laughs> Scottish kid. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, a, a lovely moment that Lukaku scored at Old Trafford for the first time in so long. And, and it's just it's absolutely vintage Lukaku and it extended uh, streak of games where he doesn't score. And then he starts banging him in. He's got four in two. Um, I, I, I meant to say earlier, Luke Shaw, I heard he was superb against Palace. I thought he was excellent against Southampton again. And he was brilliant against Liverpool. So lovely little run of form from Luke Shaw at the moment. That's right. I mean, he's he's uh, looking very positive on the ball and uh, defensively sound, and he's getting forward and getting involved in play. He still cuts inside a lot, but I think a lot of that's got to do with uh, the way United playing and focus of the strikers. It's uh, United just not getting. It's it's not like he's doing the classic thing in the four four two where you know the winger cuts inside and he overlaps to put the crosses in. United don't put a lot of crosses in. It's just not that kind of team. Um, but uh, he he is contributing um, actively. I think he was involved in you know, his first goal. He was involved in you know, his second goal as well. You know, he's played the ball inside for Fred, who has just sort of dinked it around the corner via a Palace player's heel. I think I, I don't know whether Fred gets the assist for that one. Does he? If it's taken a little uh, little mini <laughs> deflection off the Palace player before uh, Romelu's oh, turned and and you know was, curled it in. Was that Southampton, or have I got muddled? Sorry, sorry, Southampton. Right, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that last goal against Southampton because, of course, they equalised, um, and you know that felt very much against the run of play. Although, although James Ward Prowse with a with a free kicks anywhere inside of thirty yards, you know, it's yeah, a, it's a good opportunity, isn't it? And uh, Ashley Young gave away the free kick with one of the wildest leg swings you're ever going to see. Do, do you know what? I just don't think he had a great game against Southampton. I think whenever he's put under any kind of pressure in defensive situations, you remember he's a winger again, don't you? So um, I, I know we were talking about this on the WhatsApp group. Uh, Dallows has um, performed well twice now while starting against Palace and coming on as a sub against Southampton and, and going into sort of attacking position. 
Um, and it looks like he's definitely got the attributes to do that. We know loads of pace, can put a cross in. Uh, he's pretty confident uh, taking on players. But um, I, I just think once once uh, we're a bit uh, fuller and you know in terms of injuries and stuff, um, that there's hardly any argument for playing Ashley Young every week to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know what I think about that really. I've seen him be quite good quite a lot at right back, I think, this season as well. Like, it's not like he's been rubbish there for the for the most part. There's been a couple of games where he's struggled, but he's looked pretty decent, hasn't he, for the most part? I don't know. I feel like I'm very bad at judging defenders generally. I don't really understand what they're meant to be doing, but... Defending? Yeah. I mean... He's looked all right to me. I mean, it, I, he kind of... I don't think the one that he did should have been a penalty I did think um as has been widely discussed Chris Morning is just dead when VAR comes in because he's just he really shirts all the time he's yeah. really good at doing it out of the referee's eye line like that was obviously definitely a penalty but Smalling also knew exactly what he was doing and knew there was no way the referee could see it and he's just gonna have yeah. to I, I also stop. think those are this this that's exactly the kind of thing that VAR is not good at so it's one of those judgment calls for a referee. Yeah, he's got, he definitely got some shirts, but you know the, the player has definitely made the most of it. And I think that's a half a penalty. And I know you can't have that thing. But that's the, that's the kind of thing where when VAR comes in, some refs will give it and some refs won't because it's always going to be on their review. That's the form of uh, VAR that is going to be in the Premier League next season. Uh, and we'll just be arguing about a different part of the referee's review, whether it was live at the stadium and didn't get it or whether he does it. Because I guarantee you, if um, if that had been given a penalty under VAR, um, half of like viewing the viewing public would have said, no way. And half of the pundits would have said, no way. You know, so... But isn't it a foul to grab someone's shirt? It, it is, but like... A physical contact happens all of the well, that's, time. That's not physical know? contact, though, is it? No, is but to impede the player, just just holding a shirt, that's that's not a foul. You've got okay. to impede the player. Right. I believe. Okay. So you could, like, gently caress another player's shirt as long as you're not stopping them. I, I believe so. Okay. Well, look, look, look let, let's take another example, then. You've got Harry Kane's goal at the weekend. Uh, well, Harry Kane, the penalty that um, Spurs scored after Harry Kane was fouled and he started in an offside position. You've got journalists, and let's not even talk about it, fans have gone, I've checked with referees. They've said he's only offside when the ball's, you know, when he's in an active position, i.e. he's challenging for the ball. Therefore, the the thing that comes first is the foul. And then I've got a whole bunch of other journalists who've gone, no, we checked with the uh, Referees Association. At the point of contact with the ball, he's, you know, he's offside. Therefore, that comes first and therefore the foul doesn't count. Yeah, and the other way doesn't make any sense either to me. Like, so. Logically, anyway. he, he's put himself active, and the second he's put himself active, that's what's happened first. Uh, talking of penalties, United got a penalty. Pretty soft, actually, funnily enough. Marcus Rashford talk about a player making the most of something. Tiny bit of contact with the back of his heels. Marcus Rashford went straight down, not making the Alexis Sanchez mistake. Um, and uh, Lukaku, striker really short of goals overall, in absolute bags of confidence, on a brace... The game's basically won. The penalty's going to be the last kick of the game. Oh, Lukaku definitely takes that, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Um, uh, Paul Pogba has uh, absolutely uh, 
Uh, well, no sympathy at all, does he? <laughs> They're mates as well. They're like big mates. It's like that. Yeah. Is, it's a cold, mm. cold game. It's, it it's... is, but he is he is the designated penalty taker. Uh, it, it would be better if he didn't take that silly shuffly penalty thing, I suppose. I mean, you know, it, it served him reasonably well, and he has cut down on it being 57 steps before he strikes the ball to only a few sort of stutters. Yeah, well, that's that's what the problem is. That penalty just needed another half a step because he absolutely read what the goalkeeper was going to do and put it in the right place. He just uh, he just hit it slightly too early so the keeper could swing a leg at it and catch it. Yeah, and, and, and it was a David De Gea type save, wasn't it? Yeah, more legs. more steps in the run-up for Paul Pogba next time. That is my takeaway from that penalty. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, definitely. Wor- worth saying that um, you mentioned Delo playing really well. I mean, I absolutely thought that that was the moment at which the the whole kind of dimension of the game changed when Sanchez got injured and Delo came on. I just thought we looked, that was the, the best period of the game and we looked we looked excellent for, you know, the whole period between the kind of first and second goals and just look, looked looked really good once Delo was on the pitch and it was uh, Delo and Lukaku and Rashford instead of Sanchez up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, look, he's not going to end his career as an, an attacker um, because I, I don't think he's got the kind of, all-round skills, but against some more limited opposition, that kind of direct running is um, great, and that's what he's, you know, that's what he brings. Uh, I, but I think in an attacking system that uh, Ollie wants to play, are we making the assumption he's going to get the job now? Um, him and Shaw as attacking fullbacks talked about how important attacking fullbacks are, both to this system but in the modern game as well. I think they're going to be a uh, a really big threat and offer United lots and lots and lots of um, attacking uh, pace down the wings. Yeah, which which will suit Ali Ball really well. And and I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, we've talked a lot about how Lukaku doesn't really suit the way Solskjaer wants to play. But guess what Ali Solskjaer did when the only option was to change the way that he was going to play? He fully changed the way he was going to play and managed to get a real tune out of the players he needed to get a real tune out of yet another fine piece of management and squad management and adaptation. And I mean, I I just don't know. I mean, like we said last week, right? This is, this is a surely an academic conversation at this point, but the, the reasons not to give him the job are, just disappearing with every breath by the week yeah and i think that's that's fair i mean obviously every game from now on gets bigger he's got a huge one midweek i guess we're making the assumption that united will probably be out of the champions league but then he's got a really huge one against arsenal yeah uh, at the weekend really huge it's it's so significant in terms of the the champions league places absolutely Uh, yeah and and then everyone after that is Huge as well. Some difficult ones in there, Chelsea and City, uh, some medium-sized ones, Watford and Wolves, um, and some easier ones. And then then a cup run as well, possibly, you know, away, away at Wolves in the cup. So, yeah, it's just this time of the season. And, and ideally, United will be challenging for the Premier League and the Champions League, and they'd be huge for that reason. But they are still huge. And, and this will be a real test of, of Oli and the, and the squad. Hopefully we've got some players back. Um, and the pressure that some of the players are under, you know, all, all of that will be um, a real test. And But he's passing every single test so far, isn't he? You know, with his um, use of the squad he's got, the limited squad he's got at the moment. 
let's hope he doesn't get any more limited, although we found out that Alexis is out for uh, two months or so. Oh, no, um, whatever will we do? <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, with, with ten players out, you really could, even if he's been poorly performing, you I do I, need the I, numbers, surely. I think, I, I don't know. I think the thing is, with everyone else out, you literally have to play him. Um, but I would rather see one of the kids get a chance than waste any more game time on Alexis Sanchez. Like, I just, there's, he's, there's no, there is no point playing him. I mean, all right, I can't remember what game it was. There was one game where he was all right. That's the best it's got. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we talked about Ghana coming on against Crystal Palace um, and Tahit Chong came on against um, Southampton. Yeah. Although he didn't touch the ball at all because he had about a minute on the pitch. He did manage to get fouled. Yeah, I was going to say, he was just about to touch the ball when he was cruelly robbed of that particular statistic. Um, uh, it would be funny if he never played for United again. That's a pub <laughs> quiz. <laughs> Which player played for Manchester United and never touched the ball? <laughs> probably, that's probably happened before, hasn't it? Someone that Van Gaal gave the debut to probably didn't touch the ball. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's 15 his, of them, weren't there? His Premier League debut because he's played in the League Cup or the FA Cup or something before, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, it was uh, lovely to see him um, in the Premier League, playing in the... just getting a run out. It's pretty cool. Um, the... the When Southampton equalised, it took a little while for us to score again. I remember it was about the 88th minute. I looked at the clock. I just suddenly had this overwhelming feeling of like, it's going to be fine. United are going to score. I think I might even specifically have thought Lukaku's going to score. It just felt like, yeah, that's it's. this is fine. We're going to win this game. It was a very strange feeling. Uh, and I'm not, I don't imply any significance to that other than the tremendous feel-good factor that Ole has somehow imparted onto this not just the squad, not just the team, not just the staff, but almost especially the crowd. Like, the, the everyone loves Man United again. Everyone's super into it. It's. I was saying this to Adam. He, he posted something on Instagram. Adam Cola did, and and I, I just thought we're all going to remember this half a season for the rest of our lives. Maybe we win something. Maybe we don't. But none of us are ever going to forget. The half a season when Oli Solskjaer came in and we were, the season was over and then it became the most fun it had been for five years. Yeah, uh, it's very true. It's a remarkable turnaround. And and we all saw it coming, didn't we? Honest. Well, I did or track not. down, I did track down an email uh, exchange with friend of the show, Flat Cat Sam, from 2013, where I said I couldn't wait for Oli Solskjaer to be United's manager one day so you, know. <laughs> you knew it you knew I did, it i did of course that victory over southampton together with arsenal's draw with spurs at the weekend took united into fourth mm-hmm. we've been swapping places with arsenal a little bit yeah um 58 points 57 for arsenal 56 for chelsea who actually have a game in hand um so yeah very squeaky bum time for the top four and and actually united only three points behind spurs now and you wouldn't bet against them catching spurs at this point I mean, it's absolutely staggering. It's just, it's just staggering. Like, you know, as you said, like every game's massive from now to the end of the season for that for that Champions League finish, and that's definitely true. And that's absolutely amazing 
where we're in a position where every game's massive now because I think we definitely thought the week, I mean, the podcast just before Solskjaer came in, the one after the Liverpool games, the most depressing episode of this show ever where neither of us had any hope left for this season whatsoever. And now here we are with meaningful competition at the back end of the season. Hmm. Can we briefly touch on one of the other big games at the weekend? Um, <laughs> I, wonder what, those I wonder, hmm, hold on, I wonder which one this is going to be. I wonder what <laughs> subject Ed's going to want to bring up. <laughs> well, you know, there, there were some funny games after the Liverpool-Everton match, weren't there? Yeah, very breezy. Do you know? I don't know if you know that Friends reference. Um, Monica is broken up with by her boyfriend and leaves an aunt's phone message um, for him, where she's trying to appear breezy, and she says, "I'm breezy," which is almost exactly what Jurgen Klopp did, except he was talking about wind. It's like I'm absolutely fine. I'm definitely not falling apart under the pressure. Also, we lost because of the wind, and I hate that ball boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. But if you haven't, uh, go check. Uh, this out the, the Everton ball boy sort of sarcastically applauding Jurgen Klopp who at one point like turns and looks a bit angry like he's going to thump him or something but the end, in the end sort of laughs it off but uh, he definitely did... a sign that the pressure is on he did not laugh that off at any point he didn't he at no point did Jurgen Klopp derive any amusement from that exchange whatsoever <laughs> he looked dead eyed um, that ball boy should definitely be sacked by the way that is horrendously unprofessional no. It's awesome. It's like, you know, wouldn't you if you were a fan of your team and managed to get a draw against the big rivals who were chasing down the the title? Yeah. Um, no, that was that was funny. And, and Liverpool obviously are under pressure and uh, they're, they're chasing something they haven't achieved before. And, and Klopp is feeling a bit of pressure. I, I think he was he's pretty tense or terse, or both, in fact, in the press conference afterwards, especially when he was asked about whether Liverpool were being a bit negative. <laughs> he didn't like that one at all, um, which was uh, kind of amusing as well. So uh, he went into a rant about that one. But, um, yeah, look, of course he's under pressure. And, and Guardiola's been there and done it and won 40-odd titles or whatever it is. And uh, so he's uh, he, he he has greater, much greater experience at this than Klopp. And um, then he beat... Uh, Bournemouth one nil City, but I they at, did. I looked at the stats. Just incredible see, just, stats. <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth had zero shots. Zero, zero shots. Not on... zero zero shots. Not just on target. Zero shots. I Literally. don't think I've ever seen zero 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 zero. No. It was zero corners. Zero shots. <laughs> zero Literally. chances. Zero zero everything. I mean, zero shots is a, is is really a very very small number of shots. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um. I would suggest yeah. um. It went since talking about stats, the least <laughs> yeah. number of shots you could have in a game. Yeah, that's really public. One shot is not... If you have a game where you only have one shot, you're like, blimey. You only had one shot in that game. They had less than one shots. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, City had 23, and it's like one point something small um, XG on that one. I did try and wind up our friend at 11... 10, 11, whatever it's called, the stats guy, saying that perhaps quit, Pep could quit, should quit now because uh, he's <laughs> clearly not cutting it anymore. <laughs> didn't didn't respond. Um, I, I so, yeah, an, I an, awful, an awful lot of long-range, low-XG shots from City amongst that 23. Yeah. Not not exactly City's problem, not generating enough high-quality chances, is it? Let's be fair. Not normally. Season. Normally there's scoring with tap-ins at the far post that is the archetypal city goal yeah 
absolutely. We're going to talk about City in bonus content this week uh, because we're hashtag obsessed. No, that's not why. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> uh, and hashtag nerdy enough to trawl through pages and pages of documents uh, mm. posted on the Spiegel. Mm, one of us is. Um, so... how, how did you enjoy that? How's your German? <laughs> it was good. It was uh, sehr gut. Um, I've been learning uh, Spanish on Duolingo. I'm up to uh, uh, Yo Como Manzanas. It's good, isn't it? You like oranges? I eat apples. You eat apples? Yeah. Manzanas. Oh, oh, yeah. Naranja. Yeah, orange. I was going to say, I know this because of the 1982 World Cup and Naranquito. Anyway, that's definitely enough of that. Should we, uh, should we hear from the good people that choose to voluntarily spend their time listening to this show for entertainment purposes? I thought we just paid people to listen. <laughs> we probably we could start doing that. <laughs> we wouldn't pay them very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why we would do that. <laughs> what would we get out of that? Uh, yeah, we can uh, like penny poke people on Venmo. Okay, Th- this is a thing I, I found I, I, out I, about. I didn't really understand any of those words, but I, I feel like I'd rather not know what they meant. <laughs> no, no, it's not filth. You know, Venmo, the uh, the payments platform. Okay, no, I don't. Um, but so yeah. yeah, yeah. So one one way that uh, kids, and I guess it's mostly kids, get in touch with celebrities is to um, send them like one cent along with a message. And try and get a reaction out of them that way. Okay. The world is... penny-poking. The weird, weird and terrible place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Louis Figo, with Z says, should the Yuskaus Bastard be dropped from the Ollies at the Wheel song? Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, it, in such a, like, an upbeat song, it feels a bit anachronous, doesn't so it? So typical and so gross, and I hate it. And I guess you could allow it for that one um, that one instance when we actually played Liverpool, but the rest of the time, it completely ruins it for me and is just typical of United fans' inability to go through a chant without mentioning a team they hate. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think the United fan base is obviously um, uh, uh, rich and diverse and uh, the song repertoire amongst that uh, rich and diverse fan base is also rich and diverse and uh, probably the best um, of any club in the country in terms of you know how many different songs uh, but there is a thread running through many of them <laughs> yes isn't there yeah um, so probably don't need it in this one Tom Chadwick Chadders11 on Twitter says how windy will it be in Paris <laughs> <laughs> Getting our excuses in first, eh? <laughs> no, I think it's the other way. I think it's uh, it serves the underdog, doesn't it, if it's windy somehow? Although, if the wind's in the wrong direction, then they'll just chip it and Mbappe will just run onto everything. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm not particularly looking forward to that game. But, although, you know, maybe it's a free hit. Maybe it's a free hit. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll come and talk about that. <laughs> I think it's a free hit in the sense of it's going to feel like being punched in the face. <laughs> oh, uh, Lolo Jones says, is Pogba's suspension a blessing in disguise, giving us a, a better chance at the top four? Well, it's only one game, but I guess he'll get a, a rest for a week. Yeah. He'll be in tip-top condition for the game against Arsenal. I assume he won't travel with the squad. There's no point. There's no point, is there? No. Uh, and he will get to watch it on TV like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the rest of us. Juan Mata's blog. Um, Juan Mata's blog was called How I Celebrated Romelu Lukaku's Goal. 
And I was like, oh my God, is One Matters Blog going to be interesting for the first time ever? And uh, no, it was really, really, really boring again, as it is every single week. One yeah, Ma- he, doesn't offer a, he doesn't offer a lot of insight, does he? Any. Any like, insight. It's yeah. like, we won or we lost, we're happy or we're sad. We must work hard to keep it going or we must work hard to turn it around. And then these Spanish sports people did this. It's a very good way of keeping an overview of what Spanish sports people are contributing to the international sporting community. But that's its <laughs> only function. Jeff Timmons says, will Sanchez ever play for United again? Will Dallo take the number seven shirt? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I suspect Sanchez will play for United again, but two months out and uh, knee as well. So it'll take him, it'll take him a while to, to get better. So that takes us into what? Early early may he might not play too many more times i don't know whether we'll actually manage to get rid of him over the summer or not though that's, given his wages that's the great challenge of our time isn't it a player that we are getting rid of over this i mean sorry uh, a much beloved club legend servant who's been here for a long time and has performed admirably and even rose to the rank of club captain will sadly not be renewing his contract this summer i can't keep it up antonio valencia's going antonio valencia is going (laughs) (laughs) james wilson is still a player at the united at united at the united united um, and he talked a little bit about uh, he's not sure whether he'll be here next season for the love of god mate for the sake of your career don't be (laughs) yes Antonio Valencia, former player of the year uh, at United and uh, current yeah, club strange. captain. What a strange career at United because, yeah. you know, a lot of it, he was bought in the wake of Ronaldo leaving and um, he was never, ever, ever going to live up to that. And I think he's perhaps had, and I might be being generous here, two and a half good seasons at the club. He had one flying season when, you know, perhaps we thought he was not the new Ronaldo, but the new Kinchelskis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that one season where he seemed to find Wayne Rooney's head with every cross. Yeah. Um, and then he's had the occasional good patch of a part of a season playing it right back. Yeah, I think he probably had a good season at right back collectively, but for a lot of the time, he's just been dreadful. I mean, yeah. he, he had that one trick where he would knock it past the player, run past him, and then whip in across. Um, and it was a really good trick, and he got really good at it, and then he stopped doing it. Something changed. He lost confidence. Maybe he did lose a yard of pace, but certainly in his head, it felt like he, he didn't, he didn't have the courage of his convictions anymore. Sort of coincided with him briefly getting the number seven shirt, which he then uh, let go of because he was trying to kind of change his luck around. And he, he did seem to get a lift again after that for a little bit. But yeah, all in all, uh, not a player that I'm going to miss. I'll, I'll think back fondly of that season where he was player of the year. Um, I always liked him at Wigan. I remember... I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I remember seeing him in the World Cup in, I guess, 2006 and thinking, oh, he really looks like a player, this guy. And then I enjoyed watching him at Wigan. Um, and I was glad when we signed him, but I'm mm. very glad we're not continuing with this any further. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair enough. And uh, on the previous one with Sanchez, I don't think he'll be going, uh, but he probably should be. Uh, yeah. Because I think he's, I think he's shot. Rio Ferdinand talked about it at the weekend. Uh, I think he's, he's done. He's, he's a power player, and he's just lost that little bit of pace. Uh, having the injury now is not going to help that, and he's not been able to adjust 
I think. And Rio didn't exactly put it in these terms, but uh, he, he, yeah, he needs to be smarter as a player. And, and many players go through this as they, they change physically. Um, and he, he's got, he, he has the technique, I'd say, to play in a different way, but uh, it's not happening for him. Um, and we are more than a year into his United time. And uh, um, yeah, I think it probably never will do. Neil C says, who's pissed you off more when playing for United, Di Maria or Sanchez? Um, I don't, Sanchez I don't ever miles. feel, yeah, I don't feel like I was ever pissed off with Di Maria. I, I kind of felt it wasn't working for him. And I, I think at the time we talked about it and I was blaming the manager more than the player. Yeah, agreed. Afterwards, he's been the right mouth, he's cunt, but, you know, hey, we'll let him off. Uh, Jake Fagan says, PSG, is it too mountain a, too tall a mountain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That, that's our preview done. Red Army, <laughs> uh, Busby Babes, NU says, um, is Lukaku's four goals in two games enough for him to start against PSG, or is his lack of positive contribution outside of scoring goals just not good enough? He's going to start against PSG because, A, we've got no attacking players. And B, he's just scored four goals in the last two games. Um, I do take the point about his um, his contribution outside of scoring goals. You know, he's um, he's technically not as good as Rashford or Martial or Lingard or probably yet Alexis Sanchez, but he's scoring goals. Yeah, and it, and it, technically, there's lots of things that he's not good at, but technically, he's extremely good at putting the ball in the back of the net. He's a really good finisher. Um, and he needs to be confident to be doing that, but he's clearly in a vein of confidence. Um, I I think starting against PSG isn't any kind of barometer, really. Like you say, the injuries no, and he, and he it, has to, yeah, yeah. But but I I don't think say we suddenly had a fully fit squad uh, for Arsenal and Lingard and Martial and Rashford were all fit. I don't think Lukaku would start then. Um, but he would rightly probably consider himself a bit unlucky not to be starting, given that he is scoring. He has scored these goals in in the last couple of games. Really important goals too. Yeah, Not, yeah, know, and, really and all great finishes, instinctive finishes. The kind of the kind of finish he wasn't finishing and instead trying to pass to people not that long ago. Yeah, because um, he does need to feel good. Oyston Sorums Hagen probably ruined your name there, Oyston. Uh, should we sign Sancho, Wan-Bissaka and Rice? Yes, all of them would be great, <laughs> great additions and, and all in the right age. It would cost 100 million, 50 million apparently is what Palace wants uh, and more than that for Rice. So, yeah, sure. Perfect. Totes, yep. totes yeah. If, if, we, uh, if we can do a bit of uh, City-style financial fair play manipulation, although, to be honest, we could spend that 200 million and, and not be in any trouble. Yeah, um, we, we don't actually have to do that. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if uh, our um, our owners weren't sucking a billion out while cooking the books. But, you know. Gavin Lansdale says, would you start some of the kids against PSG? Chong, Gomez, Garner? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that getting a hammering against PSG is the best sort of introduction to Manchester United for some of these kids. I'd, I'd have them on the bench because you can have 11 on the bench in Champions League games and can't, I believe... I think I'm right in saying that. And um, yeah, why not? I think we talked about this. We were asked, we had this exact question in the in the wake of that first PSG game. And I think we both fairly enthusiastically said you should play the, the strongest side we possibly can away to PSG because it is, in inverted commas, only 2-0. It's not like we got beat 4-5-0 when you know what's you know what's coming. A hundred percent convinced that our strongest side at the moment doesn't have um Jong or Gomez in it, but you know, that's speculative, obviously. Mm. J 
Jax365 says, I looked at the 538 league prediction. They had United at 32% chance of finishing in the top four. Is that too low for you guys? Well, um, this is the 538, typically a politics um, data site started by Nate Silver, although they do a lot of basketball stuff and they, they do do a Premier League prediction. And it's rolling prediction. I, I don't know the inside of their model, but um, it's got United at uh, 32% to make the Champions League and it's a little bit lower than Chelsea and Arsenal. I believe off the top of my head, I don't have it open in front of me. I did check it the other day, though. Um, I, I don't know. This seems about fair to me. I mean, there's four clubs chasing two spots. Um, doesn't that, and United do have some big games. Doesn't that mean come. that less than a 50% chance is putting you substantially below expectation? Like, so if there's if there's four into two, then shouldn't we have a roughly 50% chance, all things being equal? Um, yes, but Spurs have got three more points than us. Yeah, okay. And we have to play Arsenal and Chelsea away this season. So I'm, I'm sure that is figuring into the model. The one thing that I would really... In, in eight games or whatever it is left. The the thing that I would really want to know about that model is, uh, does it include results from Jose Mourinho's Manchester United in it? If In which case it is utterly null and void at this point because those are not meaningful data points for uh, the glorious Ole revolution. Um, well, it, it will do because it's a rolling prediction model. So, but it also takes into account like not only their their version of a power index, um, but also the um, rolling results. So it will be updated for the the better results that have come recently. Yeah, but that's half a season's worth of results, right? So the first half of the season so far, utterly disastrous, and now good. Yes, I, yeah, but I'm quite sure without seeing inside the model that it will wait more recent games you know more highly right. than okay than, than game six months ago so I, i'm certain of that so my question then would be if spurs are three points ahead um because uh, to me the 30 percent ish range and, and and it's also sorry the other thing i should say just to clarify i'm just i'm my, the cogs are turning slowly as it's late at night it they these don't have to sum to 100 Right, so this is a, this is a probabilistic model. Sure. Um, yeah. So th- this is not saying okay. So we apportion the the weightings out, uh, and they've got a sum to one hundred for for four teams. They're saying, given our model and given the results, we think this um, this uh, team will get. This is their percentage chance. We think of them making it. Okay. So am I? Um, misunderstanding it when I say if there are three teams, say there are functionally three teams competing for one spot, right? So um, I'm not that isn't I'm not even necessarily saying that is the case right now. But if there are three teams competing for one spot, um, all things being equal, they would have like a roughly thirty three and a third percent chance each. No, I think that's yeah, that is wrong. Okay, yeah. let, let, this, let's let's um let's take it in election terms uh, because this is one people all got this very long answer. This one isn't it? <laughs> it's great, um, I love but, it. But 2016 election, presidential election, um, uh, rough on the day of the election polling uh, because polls are always a snapshot. Had like Hillary Clinton um at like 52 or 53 or something like that, and Trump at you know 40. Seven or forty-six or something, maybe lower because there was a third-party candidate as well, right? So, so um, translate that. If you ask anyone, well, who's going to win? Well, they go, well, Hillary Clinton's going to win. In the probabilistic model, the one everyone freaks out about, 
um, uh, it said Hillary Clinton to win like 70% chance, right? So on the basis of probabilities, with us, you know, um, with all things being equal in our model, we say, and this was the 538 model, saying we think Hillary Clinton has a 70% chance of winning. Of course, that means if you play that election out 10 times, she wins seven times, Trump wins three times. So yeah. probabilistic model here. If you play this league out 100 times, in 32 of those times, United you know, make the top four. In 38 of those times, Arsenal would make the top four. In 51% of those times, Chelsea make the top four. In 79% of those times, Tottenham make the top four. That's still the model same. One thing that I think is absolutely fascinating about that, we, we will move on right now because I know not everybody is a data nerd. Um, but one thing that I find really fascinating about that is that 538 have Chelsea at 51% to make the top four. I think that's absolutely remarkable. Um, mm. and, 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 and another way of putting this, right, so their prediction for points United 73, Arsenal 73, Chelsea 75, Tottenham 77, right? Mm. So, like, that is the equivalent of the, well, it's 52 Hillary, 46 Trump or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turn into a probabilistic model, it looks a bit different. Yeah. The one thing I still don't understand, which we will definitely discuss off air, is why within the probabilistic model, um, if you have three teams going for one position, position that doesn't end up adding to 100%. Uh, I mean, or at least like 99% or whatever, assuming there's a 1% chance Watford do it or whatever, you know. Um, uh, less than 1%. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand why that doesn't end up to 100%, but you can explain that another time. Let's have another question. <laughs> All right, that's fun. <laughs> um, should we have signed players in January window since we're now competing on multiple competitions? Says Gaffer. Yeah, yes, probably. I mean, especially, I mean, it's more a case of now we have 10 injuries. Uh, we could probably have done with another midfielder, perhaps. I mean, if we could have signed Rice, Sancho, and whoever the third one was in that list, Wambasaka, that's it. If we could have signed them, then yeah, but I don't think just signing player for numbers was necessary because yeah. we've got bulk in the youth team and we've, we just win every game now, so it's all fine anyway. I mean, by the way, those three, just to come full circle on that question Wampasaka might just be the best right back in the Premier League right now um, yeah. Sancho storming up at uh, at uh, Borussia he, he will leave for huge money at some point it might not be this summer though um, and Declan Rice you know one of the best young players um, I was going to say English players he is now yeah controversial uh in the premier league and and playing like every time i've seen him uh he's basically played in in midfield and he looks extremely accomplished yeah i, I totally agree football nuggets says who's going to win the ballon d'or second martial or rashford <laughs> uh it, well it would be nice i mean of course how much does it cost united if martial wins it like, 20 million pounds or something. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, Martial can win it first because he's a year older or whatever. All right, and we'll finish with a couple of uh, questions from a friend of the show, Stanley Chow. Uh, hi, Stanley. I'm glad you're a friend of the show because I totally ripped off your uh, Ollie, uh, your Ollie drawing and have it on my uh, phone lock screen at the moment. <laughs> Very nice it is too. Uh, but, but can everyone please uh, go to the Stan Chow print shop and buy something to appease Ed's conscience? Bye, bye, bye. Bye now, bye. It, by the way... You can't spend Why your money better you? than that on football art. Like, just absolutely beautiful stuff all the time. Oh, all right. No need to suck him off. Jeez. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like that says, one, <laughs> You didn't like that one. Oh, okay. Um, what is Diego Dallo's best position? 
<laughs> I did like that one. <laughs> and potentially, how could he be? How good could he be? Uh, real good. Thank the one we don't mention for unearthing this gem of a player. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, is this the new uh, the new Phil Jones question? It might be. Now, now he's brought it out. I like potentially, the, I like how the good could he be? That- I like the idea. Sorry, I like the idea that um, Diego Dallo is uh, Thierry Henry to Jose Mourinho's Bruce Rioc. No, Dennis Burkamp to right. uh, Thierry Henry's. To I've, I've messed it up. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. We, we know, yeah. Uh, Burkamp miscontrolled that one against Newcastle <laughs> and then scored. I maintain that to be true. Shout anyway, out Johnny I, I think he look potentially could be very, very good. Um, I, what we've seen of him so far, he's better going forward than defensively. I think that's fair because he's very good going forward and he just needs to to be very good defensively as well and he's going to be a really top-class right-back. Yeah, or he might just turn out to be a brilliant winger. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know whether I've seen enough. You know, he, he looks extremely positive on the ball and very direct. Um, does he have that special stuff you need as a you know, wide... I mean, like United aren't just just aren't going to play four four two with wingers like that. No. So, does he can he score fifteen goals a season, which is what you need as a wide forward? Not sure about that one. But anyway, that's it. We've got lots of questions we didn't get to, but we will be here all night, and we've already gone over an hour. So we better move on. You know, I feel like. We've really made poor choices with what we've assigned our time to in this conversation. We could have done like four more Twitter questions, but instead I just asked you a load of really nerdy questions about numbers. So apologies. No, that's fine. You know, we normally like the three people who like that stuff will uh, tweet at us us and say, yeah, we really like that numbers bit. We haven't talked about United's courtlies recently, have we? No, we haven't. Uh, we won't be doing that right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got some games to preview. PSG. I feel like we've sort of semi-previewed it throughout this uh, throughout this show. Listen, if we're still in it with twenty minutes left, to quote the manager, you're going to believe. Dot dot dot. Yeah. I mean, I, listen. I I think we're going to lose this game. I, I think we will just lose over ninety minutes. I, I think we will score fewer goals in the second leg than they will. But if we win, and even if we win like three two and go through. I mean, 3-0 to go through, or 3-1. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this has happened. Because anything's possible in the new and improved Ole Gunnar Solskjaer universe. But Mbappe is just is on fire, and he is amazing. And they have also got some other players, I suppose, if you really want to extend it. They, to have, they haven't got Neymar back, though. No, yeah, right. I mean... Didn't turn out to be Neymar too much being of a linked problem. very heavily with Real Madrid this week, and uh, some uh, some uh, well-connected Spanish journalists saying uh, he's their number one project. I, and sorry, I, I didn't I didn't want to move on to um, talking about he who shall not be named, but he who shall not be named uh, was commentating for being sports on the Real Madrid versus Barcelona game at the weekend, and uh, was bemoaning the fact that Real Madrid looked like an unhappy team. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Come on. You have no sense of irony. All right. I, mean, maybe, I think he does have a sense of irony, and that was genuine trolling, maybe. I might give him credit for that one, finally. Um, the thing is, if Real Madrid try and buy um, Neymar, they want to be really careful, because look what happened to Barcelona when they tried to buy uh, good Paris Saint-Germain players. Has Vinicius got a release clause? Because... Um, uh, because they they might find that PSG have suddenly matched it when they got linked to Neymar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he looks a bit special as well. 
Anyway, anyway, so Paris Saint-Germain, we probably think United are out and probably think United will lose. Uh, perhaps an even bigger game just in the context of the season now. Absolutely. Away at Arsenal, uh, late kickoff on the Sunday. It's murder on the dance floor. You better not kill the groove, DJ. We're going to blow that gosh down house right down. Because of Lingard saying it was a dance floor, remember? Right. Right, I, I wonder where that was going. Yeah. But then, yeah, I worked out. And no, there won't be any Lingard, of course. I no. don't think. Might be Martial. Yeah. But it looks like he just started training. Um, but it might not be because muscle injury is muscle injury. Uh, definitely don't have the strength in numbers and the resources available compared to the cup game. But it's equally as big. This one, you know, you've got to, I mean, definitely got to get a draw out of this because losing would be make that 32% chance somewhat smaller. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing we know for sure is that we're going to play counter-attacking football against them. Like, that is definitely going to happen, isn't it? We're not going to do the the thing that we did, I think, once under Van Hull, where we didn't play counter-attacking football against them, and it was immensely frustrating because it literally always works. I mean, I, I guess... I guess I should start taking seriously the possibility that Arsenal could win this game to avoid potential disappointment, but it's really hard to make that idea fit in your head after the last few years. Yeah, it is. And, hmm, I mean, they could win this game. And, in fact, at points during the Cup game, it looked like they could win it too. They played nice football up to up to a certain point. Um, didn't test Romero um, uh, as much as perhaps they thought they should have, given, you know, given how much good possession they had in the final third. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what kind of formation Arsenal actually play here. Yeah, because they, they started at the weekend with Lacazette up front and uh, Bamiyang came on. I'm going to assume that Bamiyang and Lacazette will play in some well, fashion. But I don't, I don't even, I don't know how reasonable assumption that is. Because they just don't always. I mean, maybe it was the fact that they were away from home. Yeah, they do if Arsenal play in the back three. Yeah. And and given United took that back three apart quite a lot in the cup game, I wonder whether they might play back four like they did against Spurs. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. And, and then I'll be wrong, you know. So they play four at the back. I think Aubameyang starts. If they play three at the back, they both start. Um, and if they play four at the back, um, I guess it's sort of a Wobian... Does Mkhitaryan play? Yeah, I mean, he's been... He's, he's actually been... Good he lately. was good at the weekend, yeah. yeah. I thought he was good against he, Spurs, so he, he probably does. I think he scored maybe even two against Bournemouth. Um, yeah. Unless yeah. I've misremembered that and I'm getting And, and Ramsey confused. will be at the uh, the point of the attack if they play that sort of 4-2-3-1 type system. Yeah. Not Mesut The, the Ozil, weird thing who... they did at the weekend was like Mustafi at right back, which is yeah, a total mess. And, and you'd expect United to be able to attack that if we've got any players fit. I mean, Arsenal are having just a very, very weird season. It's very weird that they're not playing Mesut Ozil. It's sort of hilarious that Arsene Wenger's chipping off saying, yeah, the problem with Ozil is if you give him a big contract, he gets too comfortable. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Hello? <laughs> yeah. Um, McFly. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, it, it's weird that Emery has completely discounted Ozil and he only seems to play him in the smaller games when he's just, I mean, even well, even against I mean, he came us. on. He, he got the last twenty minutes against against Spurs. I mean, came on, and he came on for Ramsey. He was good to that point. So yeah, but you know, maybe he's just resting Ramsey for the for the next weekend's game. I mean, that that would be weird, wouldn't it? I guess he's trying trying something different. Um, 
you know, Arsenal have been have been good in big games all season. I think it's fair to say. I've only really seen them mostly in big games. I don't think I've watched a, a full Arsenal game that there wasn't against another top six opponent all season. Um, but uh, they have been sort of well organised and and dangerous in big games. But listen, yeah. they're vulnerable to the counter attack, and uh, you know, at the very least, we'll have Marcus Rashford playing and Pogba and Rashford will link up and it will cause all yeah. manner of difficulty to the Arsenal defence. So I'm not saying... They've, they've definitely got some things to think about. I mean, that, that back three, United cause all sorts of trouble to you. They play a back four. They're likely to have Koscielny, um, Socrates and Mustafi in there. That is not quick. You know, definitely not quick. Uh, they're without Torreira, of course, because he got a red card at the weekend. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, very convenient. I'm mean, will probably play against Shaka, but it's a little bit lightweight that one. I mean, is a good player, a good young player. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's lots to be worried about in terms of the attacking players Arsenal have, and and um, you know the type of play, um, the type the type of team they are. You know, they can cause trouble um, with possession, but there's lots of reasons to believe United can can pick off this Arsenal side again. I mean, it, the midfield battle is going to be fascinating because it's just so heavily dependent on who United play. I mean, I kind of hope it doesn't have to be um, McTominay, Pereira and Pogba. Again, I hope we have one of Matic or Herrera back. Um, I yeah, have no idea I mean, I'd take Herrera for, you know, for Herrera for Pereira would give us a, a lot more oomph in midfield, wouldn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to predict a United win in that game. I'm going to predict like a two-one United win. But but obviously, Arsenal are all joking aside. Arsenal are actually quite good. Um, so you know, it's not necessarily to be assumed that we're going to win. It's just like I said earlier, it's it's hard to make the idea that we're not going to win fit into your brain in that game, isn't it? It's true. Yeah, I think there'll be goals. Why not? I mean, United are leaking and and uh, and scoring goals at the moment, lots of them. So let's. I'm going to go for two all, and I'd take that. Oh, you take a draw. Oh, I don't know. Chelsea, Chelsea with that 51 percent chance, and us breathing down <laughs> Spurs' neck. I'd, I'd, I'd love, love, love. I mean, I'm saying. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd love a win. Don't get me wrong. Would, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I didn't mean to say I'd love a win as if I was saying that you wouldn't. I just, oh. You're just not top red. <laughs> yeah, you just don't care, Ed. You just don't care enough. All, All right. right, we better we better call it uh, we better call it time because uh, we're we're deep into injury time on this podcast right now. <laughs> All is at the wheel. Um, see you next week. We'll be back at some point after the Arsenal game. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one, if not so much the PSG game. Although, frankly, at the moment, kind of look forward to watch United every time they play. Patreon backers, stay tuned. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. See you next week.